want to send out uh, a shout out here to my aunt Trini, who I just talked to. You know, Trini, it is really difficult to piece together how much you've meant to me over the years. And I don't necessarily say it in as much detail as I ever want to. But I've always come to appreciate having you around. I've appreciated how many things you've done for me. Um, your cooking, your dancing, your singing, uh, your driving skills, your fashion sense, and your hair choices were all um, unique, let's just say. I mean... We could say that they were unique throughout my childhood, but uh, th th listen, they were all memorable. You know what I mean? I will have countless memories that will never die because of you. I love you very, very, very much. I don't say it as often as I can. My name is Eli. Thank you for listening. Let's get started. And here we go. So, we are in early 2022. I started wondering what the overall film impact of 2021 was going to be. The effect of the day and date Warner Brothers situation is yet to have a lasting effect on their operations. But ultimately, whatever that lasting effect will be, will be on them and not everyone else. Doesn't seem as if anybody really participated in it the way that they did. So we're just kind of left with the question of if anything lingers from the past year of cinema. I really couldn't come up with an answer to that until recently when this Doctor Strange trailer released. The first official trailer, not the teaser, the first official trailer. Because it hit me then. The lasting effect of 2021 is how people treat these superhero movies. I mean, we're not too far from the release of the Batman, and that seems pretty anticipated all its own, but Doctor Strange seems substantially bigger. Couldn't that be because of the success of Spider-Man No Way Home and that we saw Doctor Strange in that film, or could it be that we spent all of last year readily pushing the superhero movies more than the rest of the field of films that were coming out? I mean, I noticed, you noticed, that through things like advertising and marketing, it was bigger. In a city like L.A. where you can cruise the Sunset Strip, which is decked front to back with billboards, you can see that the priority of the studios uh, is in superhero movies. And unfortunately, you can't have a conversation about cinema as a whole overlapping a year without mentioning superhero movies at length. So it's only right to give specific focus to them for the time being. Yes, I do know that many other YouTube pages and podcasts have the ability to go in deeper to this topic than little old me ever could. I understand that. But I gotta do what I gotta do. This episode, in something I like to call The Superhero Roundup. I'm here with uh, my friend, my great, great friend, Xavier Upshaw, a former uh, RV8 alumni, former staff lead at RV8, in fact. And uh, 
I would like to just say that this is a wonderful moment for me because Xavier does have extensive knowledge of comic books. He is one of the more, <laughs> he, he's, one, he's one of the people with the most encyclopedic knowledge of comic books out there. And I figured if we were going to talk about superhero movies, he would be the perfect person to talk to. However, I do want to start off formally. X, if you can introduce yourself, what exactly, um, what exactly do you do? Who are you, Xavier? Please tell the people. That's always an interesting question. Who am I? Um, I am a lover of movies and storytelling of all sorts. Um, and I, man, it made me feel like I know a lot about comics, but I feel like I don't. Um, I do love the genre. I do love the, uh, the comic book movies that are coming out. Um, I'm trying to learn to tell stories of my own. And as for who I am, I'm a musician, photographer, and also kind of a dabbling a person that dabbles in comic book art myself. So that is very about it. That is very, very modest. I will hype you up just a little bit more. Xavier's one <laughs> of the more talented drawers I've ever met in my life. And he's also a very skilled drummer for a very good local uh Washington State band called Darklight. That's still exist yes dark light oh no that that and just ended like officially ended like a month ago never mind everyone but he is a heavy metal <laughs> drummer of mid to high order if if that's okay for me to say i don't know if you want me to sure, hype you up you. a little bit more now good i appreciate that <laughs> um so I, basically what this is is a recap of all the movies that happened through 2021 and i uh for superhero movies in general, I know that the MCU had a lot of TV shows that enhanced their movies that came out. They pretty much stuck to the format of just having like four movies, but we're going to go over the whole slate here, okay? There were a lot more movies outside of the MCU that were released in 2021, but I do want to take the viewers back to a magical time called 2019. The day was... May, it was the first week of May, I don't remember the day, but I do remember when Avengers Endgame came out and how people left that theater feeling. I do want to ask you, after Endgame comes out and Phase 1 has a definitive ending to it, what exactly were your expectations for this genre post lockdown like after the lockdown was over where did you think this was gonna go i was just happy to get the get to the end game slot as far as like what did i expect after um i kind of expected more of the um more of the same i guess good material coming out to us like i black widow was okay um shang chi i thought was pretty dope hold, hold on hold on. we'll get to we'll get to that just one sec I, I just wanted to say like what do you think your effect the effect of phase one was on what was to come it's kind of a sense of where do we go from here kind of thing i mean you've already done so much we've had years of build up to basically end game and I know I was just kind of feeling like, okay, this is this was fantastic. This is a great ride. Endgame was huge and had a very satisfying ending to with tons of movies behind it. Um, 
but as far as the expectation goes for me it was just like where do you go from here how do you top that how do you keep going from here hmm. and um no i guess because of the pandemic i'm still kind of waiting to see that still you don't think you've gotten a sign as to where things are going uh they've been trickling in with the shows and whatnot and some of the movies but there's still it still feels like there's some misses in my opinion as far as the, what they've been putting out on things like disney plus so hmm. i'm not yet hyped for what's coming up next because it's still up in the air to me i like to kind of keep the mystery so i'm not like doing a bunch of research as into what characters from this show are or like what they mean for the future of marvel or anything like that because i like to be surprised oh so given your knowledge of comic books you don't necessarily go into where they should go you're just saying all right hit me with whatever you got kind of yeah i think there was a point where i was very much into here's where you guys should go and then um the way marvel's been doing it was they kind of um they're heavily influenced by the comics and they kind of get the, the vibe of of how these characters work and how the stories work without necessarily needing to marry themselves to certain ideas and with so many wins out of the belt it's like okay i'm gonna just trust you know what you're doing and i'm not gonna be like you need to be this or need to be that for me to enjoy a movie I'm gonna leave my expectations at the door and just trust kevin feige and whoever he hires to make these movies work you mentioned kevin feige and trusting him but there is more to this whole genre than just the mcu i yes. would say that like you're more of a batman fan or a superman fan than you are anything of marvel correct not necessarily i've i've loved all these characters since i was a kid um i remember there was probably a brief phase a long time ago where it was like oh you have to pick a side marvel or dc but that's just kind of ignorant hmm. it's like why would you pick one or the other when you can just have both which you can i mean it's all tribalism right it's like yeah you know apples or oranges t or a you know what i mean like everybody has yeah. to have a side like i very much am a both guy as well yeah. you know what i mean it's it's naruto and dragon ball why i gotta have like oh, can yeah. i have both you know what i mean but mm -hmm. i i do think that one of the more fun conversations to have if you don't want to include star wars is dc or marvel and i don't think marvel had any people before phase one i think it was just all dc like batman and superman were all the rage before iron man of all things changed people's mind and now yeah <laughs> now it's really funny that we iron man superman movies and we had batman and that was it well, we had blade mm -hmm. i mean you gotta mention blade you know what i mean but it wasn't yeah. I didn't see any McDonald's cups for Blade. You know what I mean? Like, I had that Batman Forever little mug, that, that over-stylized one that McDonald's had. I had the Batman one, and I was the fucking man. You Batman imagine a McDonald's man. toy, you squeeze it, so motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, I did want to go over the entire slate, and that's including DC. I don't necessarily think that I, I think we should just go over the backstories of everything that's happened. And then from there, we can just kind of talk about the movies themselves. I'm going to go first with justice league. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with some backstory here for the people who don't know. 
the the backstory basically is after release of the Justice League, the first one, there was actual there was an actual like petition to get the Justice League version that we know as the Zack Snyder version out there. And before that Snyder cut was even confirmed, like thousands of people signed this petition and cast members got behind it and other famous directors got behind it and it got this like mythological status via the internet. And um, in February of 2020, it was confirmed and editing is done. Actors come back in to revise all of their roles. Shit costs $75 million to revise. And then, boom, here we are. All I want to ask you, comic book guy, what are your likes and dislikes of Zack Snyder's Justice League? Mm, that's that's kind of difficult. I didn't even like the Justice League when it came out. Mm. And, uh, and then everybody was chanting the whole release the Snyder Cut, which didn't really technically exist until they put over $75 million behind it. Um, what did I like about that movie? I, I like that they gave Cyborg a bit more of a backstory to understand the character a bit. I'm right there with you too. I think that um, was great. Yeah, that that worked for me. But that's that's really kind of all I felt was good with the story, or that's all I felt you really got out of it. Really? I like, don't really remember it. Like I remember we were, we were going to do this podcast, and I was like, okay, I need. To over these movies again but i'm like i'm not watching that four hour movie again bro i thought you loved that movie no i uh, i was struggling to get through it like i was like why are we watching a slow motion thing a pointless stuff like lois lane putting on a coffee oh cup this God. is annoying as hell thank you this is not it was just crappy storytelling to me it was it was taking too long to tell the story yo why are we in amazonia for like 40 minutes why are we still running away from this man for 30 minutes like it's four hours and by default i guess it's the better movie out of the justice league if you're gonna compare the joss whedon version is like a flat-out atrocity in comparison but yeah, it's, it's like that trash. it's like that south park episode like you got the the douche or the turd sandwich you know what i mean mm -hmm. and it's like mm, i don't know both are pretty bad. I like Cyborg. I, I like that the uh, I like that the action sequences, as far as like getting Superman more involved, like that whole sequence when they're fighting Steppenwolf inside of the little dome or whatever. Batman had a lot more to do because, I mean, the DCEU is just him shooting guns from really far away and. People yeah, being like, oh, he's old. He can't do this. He has no powers. Yeah, I thought they crapped on Batman in that movie pretty hard. Bro, I have this theory. They gave him a bit of com they gave him a little bit of comic relief and junk. Yeah, it's just like, no. I just can't do this. Just Batman holding his lower back as he goes to sit down. It's like, fuck out of here. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. How are you gonna start the DCEU with an old ass Batman? Come on. I mean, like, right now we got emo batman right and emo batman's working it doesn't even have to be bruce wayne i like what pattinson's doing but he's like 510 and he's like 175 like after thanksgiving you know what i mean <laughs> and 
Affleck's six five. He's two thirty. He fits the mold. Yeah. And you I just squandered this shit. I, I don't know. I, I I tend to think like they kept that stupid that stupid evil Superman sequence where he just bodies them all effortlessly. And I'm like, why am I rooting for these motherfuckers? Like, you know what I mean? You know, you know what's bad is that was my favorite part of the movie. Really? Because it actually showed, like, what would it be like if the Justice League tried to mess with Superman when he just wasn't having it? And I was like, okay, I'm kind of cool with this story. Like, that, especially that interaction between, there is that interaction with uh, Wonder Woman taking on Cal and him basically headbutting her into the dirt. And I was like, okay, that's that's pretty dope, showing that Superman's not to be messed with by pretty much anybody. And then Flash trying to run around him, and you see you're in Flash's time. And then you see Superman's eyes kind of shift over his shoulder to watch where Flash is going. Like that stuff, I really enjoyed. But you enjoyed. I guess it's just kind of fluff. You enjoyed making every single member of the Justice League look like absolute chump motherfuckers. Uh, kinda. Wow. I mean, goodness. I, I don't know. I mean, like, what else did he really do? He came in and he saved the day. He was like the, what do they do? Like, you know, at the end of the Power Rangers episode, they just have the Zord come out and just end the, end the day. Yeah. That's what Superman felt like at the end of that movie. I mean. He didn't really do much. That's all you can really do with Superman. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil this for you. I'm going to spoil If you don't this. know how to write him, yeah. Here's the thing, right? How do you write the motherfucker that has the solution to every problem? He just shows up and wins, right? So when I get some shit like Invincible, right? And Omni-Man mm-hmm. shows up and he just can't be fucked with. I'm like, why am I watching this? The key with the MCU that I've found is that all of them are flawed and all of them can get got. You can't get Superman. This, I get it, Kryptonite, I, I understand, but with the absence of kryptonite, which if unless you got like kryptonite mace, you're getting bodied. Everybody's getting bodied. And it's like, all right, how do you write that? Well, it's just somebody sneezes kryptonite onto this motherfucker and now we're fighting. But wait, it's gonna wear off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um I th- sorry, go ahead. I think that it, that again really just depends on how you're writing the character and how you set him up and the and also just the rules of the world of that movie. Um, again, writing Superman, there's a difference. Like, Superman can do a lot, but it doesn't mean he's going to do certain things, which mm-hmm. is why there's like a comic done by Jim Lee where he actually takes on Superman for a bit because he gets taken over by Poison Ivy and, um, you know, Batman rolls up with this kryptonite ring and kidnaps Lois and throws her up a building to get Clark's attention and whatnot because he's like, the hush. Batman's ideas. That's, yeah, that's the it, hush storyline. That was what it was. It's like somewhere signed on my bookshelf. But um, it was a cool thing to, to read. It was something about Batman saying, the thing about Clark is he's all, deep down, he's ultimately a good guy. And I'm not. They'll buy us some time. But this is Superman. Yes. And if he wanted, we'd be dead already. Deep down, he's a good person. And deep down, I'm not. So that's kind of like the differences of their, of how they'll face a combat situation. Is cold Superman's ass a nice dude. So because he's nice, you, you might get over on him. But if you piss him off, like uh, 
in the animated movie, what's it called? Superman versus the elite. And he kind of unleashes his abilities. Yeah, he's a, a terrible threat. Most notable things uh, that came from the Justice League movie, the Zack Snyder Justice League, is the sudden demand for director's cuts. I guess director's cuts have always been a thing since Apocalypse Now back in 79. But I'm saying like the demand for the suicide movie cut that we don't care about and the rise of skywalker director's cut and the the michael b jordan fantastic four movie director's cut like who's asking for these fucking things <laughs> like there's a reason why they were gone and i guess making them 25 minutes longer i guess there's this rumor that the uh miles teller michael b jordan fantastic four movie has like a version where it's like two hours and 25 minutes and i'm like all right but i don't know how that makes it better you know what i mean i tried yes. watching that first suicide squad that will smith suicide squad movie and it's just so bad like, yeah, it was poorly edited you're fighting fucking power ranger putties <laughs> with the, the the baseball bat no, it was, yeah it, it was a mess complete mess and i i think the the justice league movie we're talking about is better than 70 percent of the whole fucking the whole fucking roster of dceu things i like i'd put this right at like fifth or sixth place fourth or fifth place actually i don't know the biggest takeaway i had from it was that we kind of gotta be easy on Zack snyder like he has a lot of haters especially in this city but he's not i mean we can get a lot worse like comparing Zack snyder to joss whedon right now is just ridiculous i think joss whedon's a better writer i think Zack snyder has a, a more a different interesting flair as far as visual storytelling goes but as far as like actual like content and substance of story i think Zack falls off hmm. i think he takes a little bit because again there is like just visual storytelling these look cool but are they necessary to tell the story and i think that's where he loses out on his movies for me as much as i enjoy them because I, I don't like to to trash talk Zack snyder too much i think i get more irritated by the people that are all over his balls like he's just the most amazing thing to ever happen to dc and it's where like no I... bro you run into those people i've never met those people i have there's like a cult down here of Zack Snyder detractors, bro. Like, I can go into a convention, yell the word Zack Snyder, and have motherfuckers be like, fuck you, dude. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. It's, well, it's intense down here. I'm more in, like, the it, small circles of people that really love uh, Zack Snyder stuff. Like, I'll see on Facebook comics and how on how amazing people thought his stuff was and things like that. I don't... I guess I don't really have like a rich film community up here. I'm like one of five people I know that's really into movies and knows anything about them. <laughs> but just a lot of online stuff about how great sax movies were. And to me, it's just like, eh, it's if you really objective for me, I mean, I guess movies are all subjective and whatnot. So really everybody's opinion counts to some degree. So I'll put that out there. That being said, I think a lot of people just don't know what the hell they're talking about and just want to like something just to say they like it at times it's like well can you explain to me why this storytelling element that actually doesn't work when you really think about it is good and 
people can't give me an answer. They're just like, oh, well, what about this movie? Or what about, they give me the whatabouts in other scenarios that have mm. nothing to do with the movie to try to prove that their movie's great. Mm. Or just avoid my question completely, which happened recently in a comic shop in regards to uh, the book of Boba Fett, which a bunch of people thought were great and I thought was kind of trash. I will reserve my hatred for Star Wars for another day. Oh, man. Move on to Black Widow. Um, (laughs) That was next chronologically in 2021. A little bit of backstory. Movie wraps production October 2019. It's supposed to come out May 1st, 2020, but, you know, pandemic and everything. So Mm -hmm. March of 2020, they announced that it'll be coming out in November, and they shift the entire slate of phase four as a result of it a decision that kind of seems crazy when you consider like where this movie fits in the timeline of the mcu but anyway turns out november 2020 is like way too soon of a call to like release anything of this magnitude and they delay it again to the actual release date of may of 2021 wandavision happens Falcon and the Winter Soldier happens, both in their entirety. Loki also happens, and this movie comes out at the end of the first season. And um, like when this movie was originally announced, I remember them very clearly saying over and over again that it was going to be the start of the next phase. Like this was the movie that was supposed to begin everything that we've seen so far, like before WandaVision, everything. And that about Black Widow? Yeah, and Black Widow is supposed to be the one that comes out right after Endgame to set everything off. And I can't even conceive of why that would be. Like, the one thing I take away from this is that this is the movie about some shit that Black Widow did this one time. End of movie. I mean, outside of her sister being a part of the mcu this really has no consequence in any way you know what i mean like you mean to tell me there was a group of spies out there that could have helped with fucking the battle of wakanda and they were just chilling they're just chilling the whole time like that's basically what it what it's saying oh man that's that's i've never heard that either that or i hear it or when i hear something i think is bullshit i just kind of forget about it easily (laughs) it was like how how is she gonna kick off anything she died in endgame i mean let's they're going to do the whole Marvel fake death thing and bring her back immediately. I don't see how that's going to work. No. Us knowing that it's uh, that it happens before Endgame, it's like, okay, well, then the whole theory that this is going to kick off anything is pretty dumb. So let me just forget about that and save room for Prince lyrics or something. <laughs> Did you like anything about this movie? I enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was fun. Like, it wasn't top tier Marvel was you know I mean there were some expectations of the movie to be great I thought the villain was kind of weak I thought Taskmaster could have been more interesting um I really enjoyed the family dynamics like me too that's where I was enjoying the movie was watching those two play and I feel like that kind of saved the movie for me the the hatred for this movie even still is pretty fucking confounding considering that there's been worse MCU movies than this. I hear a lot of people say, yo, this is like the second to worst 
or the dead last one and i'm just like yo there's one that's coming up that's a lot worse than black widow we'll talk about that in a second my question to you is as a consumer if this movie was released directly after civil war would people like it a lot more i think so because then you wouldn't have an idea like knowing that she dies and then watching this movie it feels like there's less of a point to the movie right it's like i already know she's dead i already know that whatever she's done she did doesn't really cast any light on any of the other movies i saw Mm -hmm. so it's just one of those situations where it's like you hate it for really no reason because i've asked this question to a bunch of people and they don't hate the movie they just hate where it's placed Mm-hmm. And that seems kind of weird to me. If you're going to place it dead last amidst the MCU movies, there's been 26 of them or some shit like that. There's yeah. 25 better movies than this. That doesn't seem correct. And plus, we're already coming off of, you know, what was it Infinity War and Endgame? Right. I feel like the world was kind of taking a, a nice breather after all that intensity after year after year of expecting the next thing and it growing and growing and growing and now there's this huge burst at that in uh, 2019 so it's like and then the, then you release stuff that's kind of like oh well we've already had the most amazing things happen mm. like, i guess take these little crumbs this episode is brought to you by boss of cmos the number one cmos brand in washington state so what are the benefits of irish cmos often touted as a superfood proponents of this algae claim it can strengthen immunity improve digestion and even produce glowing skin over time irish moss alone contains 92 of the 102 minerals that our bodies need in order to thrive boss of sea moss is a brand that incorporates irish sea moss into things like face mask gels and bath bombs they also have lemonades both in the original flavor and a new strawberry lemonade as well as two original blends that you can put into smoothies of your own the original 92 mineral formula and the herbal blend with all 102 minerals support black owned businesses Check out Boss of CMOS at their website, bossofcmos.com. Again, that's Boss of CMOS, S E A M O S S.com. All one word, by the way. Next up is Suicide Squad, okay? Backstory Suicide Squad comes out, the first one does, and it's a disaster on all fronts. Much of it has been written about by many different platforms, many different publications. Many more educated people than you or I about this fucking shit, but it grosses enough money to a green light a sequel and then fast track it. And then B it, it signs off on a whole bunch of spinoffs. Like one was really supposed to be Will Smith playing dead shot. And another was supposed to be the Gotham city sirens. I don't know if you ever heard about that, but I didn't hear about a dead shot. I heard about the Gotham city sirens. Yeah. And that's dead as of right now for many, many different reasons, all of which has been written about in detail. You know what I'm saying? The director of the first suicide squad movie was supposed to direct Gotham city sirens. And Mm. he took his name out of the running to direct this sequel. And then it takes him a long time to find a replacement director after he bows out. And they court like a lot of people in the process, like all of them back out. They're like, no way. Like this is a lengthy ass process. And then they run into the problem of Will Smith's schedule 
because he had to do the Aladdin movie, and then he had to do Gen- Gemini Man after that. And then after Oof. that, Birds of Prey has to go through, and they they have to wait for Margot Robbie to go on. And it's just like, meanwhile, like James Gunn, he's running into that set of problems that he had with Disney in the middle of 2018 with like his tweets yeah. and... He was let go by the company, and like, as soon as he's let go, these motherfuckers at Warner Brothers waste absolutely no fucking time in picking him up almost immediately. I mean, like, within four or five days after he's let go, and they give him complete creative freedom over uh, Suicide Squad, and, you know, he wanted to pick that out of all the other stuff that they gave him the options yeah. to do. They were giving him anything. Superman, anything. Batman, whatever you want. Just do something for us. Please. Jesus. I, they sweeten the deal by uh, by giving him uh, the chance to do a rated R film. And then mm-hmm. after that, it was like locked in. You know? He, they gave him creative freedom to take any elements of the first film that he wanted. Pretty much an offer that he can't refuse. The day after he's announced as directing, um, Marvel <laughs> hires him back to direct the next Guardians movie. Like the oh, day Marvel, after Marvel they announce back. it, the knocking on the door. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Please, please, girl. Why are you tripping, girl? Yeah. Like, come back home. Like I know you. I know you're seeing someone else, but can we still like hang out? Yeah. I don't know. I just want to see you. Never know. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy and show the third time, maybe. <laughs> You want to do a holiday special? Okay, cool. Let's do that. How paid did that man get? <laughs> I just want to know the back end because I'm pretty sure whatever this Guardians makes, you're going to see James Gunn on that Forbes list and you're going to be like, hmm, weird. A director? It's like he got a 30% back end deal and $20 million. They probably overpaid to get him back, especially mm-hmm. after this one because. There's a lot to like in this Suicide Squad movie, I think. The chemistry that this cast has in comparison to the shit that was before with the much bigger stars on it, it's almost incomparable. His writing and this is creativity and storytelling is just amazing. Like I really wasn't familiar too much with, with his work until... Um, what was it? Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's where he got on my radar. That's like kind of also... Whereas more getting into people who are behind the movies, watching Suicide Squad and watching him balance all the the crazy shit with, you know, you got King Shark in there, Dude. you got a woman that controls rats, you got people just getting their heads blown off and, and shanked, but there's moments with heart and levity and just wonderful character development and storytelling in these in this movie. Three, two. What are you guys doing? You, we're here to save you. You were gonna save me? It was a really good plan, too. Well, I can go back inside and you can still do it. That's patronizing. It's too bad that it did not do as good as it should have because HBO kind of... Yeah. But man, he is such a good storyteller and it's not even a fluke because then you watch Peacemaker, a, a series that I wasn't even sure about. I was like, really, are we just are we gonna... Is DC is DC starting to do that thing where it's like, oh well, Marvel's doing a bunch of TV series now. Let's do a bunch of other ones. Man, and, and Peacemaker was great. I mean, DC is killing it right now. Everything R-rated that they've done outside of that first Suicide Squad movie 
is kind of aces here. And you're going to do this Flash movie and this Aquaman movie, and I don't know if motherfuckers are going to care like that. Because Peacemaker, people really care. That is now one of the two or three biggest shows on HBO all of a sudden, and nobody could have guessed that going in. No, absolutely not, man. I think, uh, as far as the R rating go, I don't think it has anything to do with it, because even the Batman was PG-13, and that's a, it's mm. all about, again, good storytelling. Good it doesn't storytelling. need to be R to have... I mean, like, what's an R-rated movie? You get to say "fuck" a little bit more, and you could show some titties. That's that's and that's violence. Violence is key. And blood. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But um, you don't necessarily need those elements to tell a story. Shang Chi was next on the list. Uh, backstory really isn't filled with a lot of drama or delays. Um, there was a brief period of time where they were trying to go with a more martial arts-based superhero movie. Good move on not necessarily doing that. They cast an unknown named Shimu Lu, of course. And uh, there's a lot of 1970s negative Asian stereotypes back in the day, and they had trouble getting around a lot of that and maintaining the story, and they decided to go with the Mandarin but then decided not to go that way and instead continued the narrative of the fake Mandarin character who appears in Iron Man 3, played by <laughs> Ben Kingsley. Some time ago, I was offered the role of a terrorist. I know, facile, trite, I couldn't agree more. But times were lean, you know what I mean? Anyway, the producer told me he worked for the BBC, but ironic twist it turns out he in fact was a terrorist and i wasn't playing a character at all but what i now recognize to be a rather unflattering portrait of your father we all got our just desserts the producer got blown up by iron man and i served time in federal prison which turned out to be the best thing for me i got clean i rediscovered my passion unlike the drama filled and delayed induced production of the suicide squad movie i mean the development of Ten Rings was smooth and, like, effective. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest takeaway was that the Ten Rings was the first movie post-pandemic that stayed in movie theaters for, like, a long fucking time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was the only movie of its size, of its budget for that entire month of September. Like November had Halloween and Last Duel and Bond, but September it was just Shang-Chi and like nothing the fuck else. And that movie just stayed number one forever and ever and ever. And it felt normal, like post pandemic, like Fast 9 came out before that and that had a big opening, right? It had a big opening, but it was gone in like two weeks. That's because that was like the first thing we got to see like during the pandemic. That was a big blockbuster movie. Right. And the seats were limited. You know what I mean? Shang-Chi, by the time Shang-Chi came out, vaccines were here and theaters were at full capacity and people just kept, I don't know of a person that's seen this once that really goes to movies like that. Everybody I talked to seen Shang-Chi at least twice. And that's because that, ate all of the competition 
really quietly. It was a really quietly successful movie. I saw it three or four times. Mm. And it was like really underhyped too, right? Like it just showed up, did its business and left. Like there's no, I don't even remember what the Easter egg was at the end of the credits in Shang-Chi. That's how like understated it was. I think uh, Shang-Chi was, I think it was less hyped because it wasn't a character a lot of people were familiar with. It's a to complete unknown. Like everybody we've had in the MCU has been seen before in some way, shape, or form. Like you'll see, like even in Black Panther, like like T'Challa had his own movie, but you saw him first in Civil War. Mm-hmm. So, or the only lead up to that movie that I remember being kind of a funky was uh, Bob Chapek's comments on how it was some sort of experiment where they were doing. I can't remember if they were going to try to do something with streaming on that on mm-hmm. Disney Plus instead of just straight up putting it in theaters, or if it was just theaters that was the experiment i can't remember what it was but that was like the only thing that happened that was part of the drama leading up to shang chi's release i I think they said that early on in the black widow days like at the beginning of summer and by the Mm -hmm. time you know quiet place 2 is released and fucking uh fast 9 is released you already see movies that are able to have some staying power in theaters and they were like you know what fuck that keep it here you know what i mean the MCU at this point is like McDonald's, dog. Like, you really can't. You're too big to fail at this point. I wouldn't go that far. I think there's always room for failure. I think uh, the supplemental material getting on Disney Plus is kind of... Disney Why? Plus overall is kind of making me think of just unsubscribing to that because I'm not seeing anything that's worth keeping around. Hmm. Like that Hawkeye thing I thought was kind of... That had some soft. good parts in it. Ship soft. I thought it was whack. The fucking Hawaiian shirt, Kingpin. Come on, bro. I mean, that dude. That dude was terrifying in Daredevil, and then we got this Hawaiian shirt, dude. Anyways, <laughs> it should be noted that uh, around this time, the narrative of the MCU ruining cinema had really start to like take shape. You know what I mean? Scorsese had these comments back in 2019 about you know comic books not really being real cinema uh but for some reason when denny villeneuve the director of dune took that and he ran with it these fucking film snobs down here xavier they were really starting to rail against anything having to do with the mcu like really anything the conversations i've been having about the mcu not really being movies like that's just wild to me a lot of these film snobs out here were seeing Spider-Man. Like, you guys were just lying. Y'all were lying if y'all saying the MCU ain't real movies and you're just going to ignore Spider-Man. That was an obvious fucking lie. That's that's an interesting thing to say. The whole, do we, do we want to do that? Do we, we're going to go to that part? Hold on. Hold uh, on. Hold on. I, I got more. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I was really engulfed in a lot of these fucking film snobby conversations. And what do you know? The month after Shang-Chi is Venom 2. Oh, wait a second. You get out here right now. Do you you see that? Seriously, do you see that? Yeah, hon, I've seen it. Eddie's going to have to fight this battle all by his little bitch self. Oh, don't be a big baby. Go help your friend. He said I couldn't get a job fixing toilets. Cletus will come for him. He won't survive without you. Of course he won't. Because I am the hero of the two of us. 
I don't even really want to talk about Venom 2 individually like the others, because the month after Venom 2 came Eternals. You can't have two better contrasting films out there. Venom 2 came out and it really destroyed everything that month. Venom 2 made more money domestically than Bond, than Michael Myers, than... I mean, I think it made more than Dune domestically. So... I don't remember those numbers. I just kind of sit here and I'm starting to think, do we want our comic book movies to be Venom 2-ish or Eternals-ish? Like, Venom 2 is hot topic. It's like Hot Topic versus, I don't know. What's Giorgio Armani, maybe? Like, uh, sure. Something that doesn't have Slipknot shirts on, on the walls. I, I, would be the Eternals. I, mean, <laughs> I don't... For what it was, I had a lot of fun with Venom 2. Me too. And, I mean, Eternals really made me appreciate both of these Venom movies a lot more because... If you really go look on YouTube and the interviews that the cast and Andy Serkis were doing for Venom, it's just so not serious. Like, I won't say that they don't give a fuck, but they know what they're making. The best bit for me in the trailer immediately, I was like, okay, you're cranking up the comedy, is the breakfast scene. And there's a bit in this movie where your voice, your Venom voice says sausages. Yes. Had me in stitches. That's a good word. It's unbelievably good. Could you give me any tips on how to do a good Venom? Um, yeah, okay. So I mix a little bit of um, Buster Rhymes, mm -hmm. a little bit of Method and Redman, a little bit of James Brown. Yep. And ever so slightly an element of Richard Burton. This one feels a bit more British. I've been told that for, for that, yeah. And mm -hmm. then when you go to Eternals from the Academy Award-winning director of Nomadland, and you start talking about the first deaf superhero, the first this, the first that, the first gay superhero. And it's like, it's nice to break these glass ceilings, but at the same time, Eternals was hot garbage, bro. Like, you think so? It's like a bottom three Marvel movie for me. Like, I can't express how bad it all is at the end and how every Marvel movie up until this point has just not acknowledged anything that's happened in that story. Like it doesn't look like Dr. Strange is going to do that. And it's just like, okay, there's a celestial in the middle of the Indian ocean and yeah, Spider-Man's out here and they're, they're like not even acknowledging shit about it. And I'm not saying like they're going to shut it down. They're not going to mention it ever again, but, the only part I liked about it was the last 30 seconds of the end of the credits when I heard Mahershala Ali's voice. I was like, oh, something good happened here after three I, hours. I enjoyed the movie, man. I saw it a few times. Um, I thought it was a little bit long. I think maybe it could have been cut, cut just a bit, but I had fun with it. I don't know, with all the release dates being shifted around over and over again with various movies i don't know where in the timeline this is even supposed to come out like was it originally supposed to come out uh before spider-man no way home uh yeah or... i mean listen i don't know if it spider-man has a tricky release time but eternals really they announced it at that at disney investors meeting and they really kept to the release date it didn't get pushed up or pushed back 
once. Like that was the intended time for that to come out. And I think from this point on, everything that's supposed to come out comes out and there's no drama to it. The only times that there were drama were when I guess things were supposed to be filming during the pandemic or when they were going back for reshoots. I don't know if that happened with Eternals. Um, I don't I don't know what there was to really bitch about in Eternals. I mean, it might not have been as exciting or had all the ingredients as far as like a lot of the MCU movies go. But at the same time, I'll hear a lot of the same people that are dogging on Eternals talking about how there's no, they don't do anything original in Marvel. It's the same formula. Yeah. And then, and then something different happens. Like, well, this is garbage. It doesn't have this and that. It's all the same stuff that you were bitching about before. Exactly. Kind of in this movie. And now you're dogging on this movie. You just, just want to bitch just a bitch. I'm not, not understanding. Like, it's what's... like you're just hating on the popular kids because they're successful and they make the money when you really should be like hating on the system that glorifies the popular kids. It's not that anything else can't be successful, but it's like when I see the Batman, for example, out here, I saw advertisements for that movie months ahead of its actual release. And there's a movie coming out real soon called Ambulance. And I see that. that movie is set in LA, Xavier. And mm. I just started seeing advertisements for that movie like three weeks ago and i'm sitting oh, there and that's a michael bay big big movie and it's like yo you guys didn't even bother you guys didn't even try you can sell the shit out of it regardless mm -hmm. of if the stars like it or not and i i, I mean that kind of leads me to the final superhero movie of 2021 is a fucking masterpiece called spider-man no way home. All this time, people looked up to this boy and called him a hero. Well, I'll tell you what I call him. Public enemy number one. MJ, I'm so sorry, but I can't see anything with your hand in my... Okay, where are we gonna go? I don't know, your house. No, no, we cannot go to my house. My dad will kill you. What? I thought you said your dad really liked me. Yeah, well, not anymore. All the people who came out against the MCU really shut the fuck up around this time. <laughs> it's really notable that when that first trailer came out and Alfred, Molina, uh, Alfred Molina's face hit mm -hmm. our screens for the first time in whatever long, people really started shutting the fuck up about Spider-Man. Like, it is a scud missile at this box office. Because... God, I, it was so good. I couldn't imagine... Avengers Endgame grosses for a movie coming for a really long time. And I thought it would be a couple of years. And boy, oh boy. Everybody knew that Spider-Man was going to make money. You know what I mean? Like, everybody knew it. If Dune had the ad campaign from Warner Brothers that Spider-Man had, I mean, maybe it makes as much money and maybe Spider-Man didn't need that push. That's one of the greatest trailers I've ever seen. That that first trailer with Alfred Molina's face at the tail end. Yeah. That's where the emotion comes. And it was like the worst kept secret in the game that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were here. Oh, man. I don't know what happened when you saw Endgame when Thor 
uh, when Cap grabs Thor's hammer. I don't know if you if if your theater even made noise at that point. Erupted in just cheering. I I even almost cheered. And I'm I'm not even a dude that likes to make a lot of noise, even though I'm a drummer. <laughs> Bro, I thought an earthquake hit LA when Cap grabbed Thor's hammer. And I was almost sure that a Lakers game was taking place right above my theater because when Tobey Maguire popped up on that screen, it was like the Holy Ghost. Like the Holy yes. Ghost just swept through the theater. I I love everything about it. I love what it represents. But I got to say, it's kind of, it's kind of, disheartening to see that Disney is the only people right now advertising their movies correctly. And when I look at the Batman and how much money it's doing, it kind of raises the question, would movie theaters even fucking be here if it wasn't for superhero films? I think at this point, I'll, I'll examine the idea of no. Like maybe, maybe, maybe not. Because when I think about how movie, how comic movies are kind of saving the movie theater, I think about how much ticket prices have gone up and how much it costs to even go to the movies. So what if, with that in mind, it's like, I want to get the most bang for my buck. I'm going to go see the Spider, the Spider-Man movie rather than paying, you know, $20 for a ticket and then another $20 for just whatever I'm eating if I'm going alone than to see... Um, no offense to Tom Hanks. There's what movie did I see? Um, the Post. The Post is a movie I saw in theaters. But um, I think about Hanks. spending. I think about you know spending that kind of money on an outing. It seems kind of like eh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drop something that's gonna look just as good on my TV. So of course I'm gonna spend more money going out to see something that looks great on this massive size screen with the greatest audio. So, How much does star power matter right now? I don't think star power matters as much as it used to. So, are... so if you have a choice between Captain Marvel 2 or like a courtroom drama with Denzel and Tom Hanks, you're picking Captain Marvel? Uh, well, with AMC A-list, I'm picking both. But... uh if I had to choose one or the other, I'd again Captain Marvel because hmm. watching that on my TV, watching anything on ho at home instead of going in and watching it on like either IMAX or what I prefer is like the Dolby Prime um, AMC theater. It, nothing is going to compare to that visual and audio experience, whereas it's not going to matter as much for like a courtroom drama, and plus. I don't know the way some of these movies are even being marketed. Like, what's the what's the the uh, Denzel Washington Jared Leto movie that came out? I can't uh, remember what it was called. The Little Things, I believe it was called. Yeah, like all the little things or whatever it was. Like, I was hyped for that movie. I was like, oh, they got these dope ass actors. This is kind of like this weird serial killer vibe. I'm about this movie. It's too bad it's being released on streaming, but I'm gonna watch it. And then I watched it, and I was like, I am glad I did not spend money. <laughs> going out to watch this movie damn it's kind of a waste it's not Ugh. I, I guess i'll end off with these two questions as a comic book movie guy 
can anything put you in a movie theater right now besides comic book movies for the price that you just said a list non-withstanding let's pretend you don't have that would you see anything else um it would take a bit but it would take something on the level of like i guess uncharted was pretty good well it was decent it wasn't great but something like that i'll go see or something with the I guess it really depends on the marketing, man. That, that's a weird, that's a tough question. Because you go see movies that aren't comic book movies if you didn't have AMC A-list. Um, but the prices and being in Seattle, um, mm. probably a lot less so. I'd be on that streaming train like a lot of motherfuckers. I'll just mm. wait for them to come out on streaming. Do you, uh, last question, do you think if, hypothetically, if they came out and movies were seven eight dollars less to see how more how much more often would you go to the film for the movie theater um, in that situation i'd go pretty every chance i get almost like typically i go to the movies well lately there's been kind of a drought for me but typically i usually go about three times a week just mm -hmm. to see whatever's going on and try to experience as many different stories as i can um but yeah, you drop the price and I don't have A-list, I'll probably go a lot more often. Even without A-list, you'd say that you would pay money more often if it was simply cheaper to go. Yeah, totally. I gotta say, something hit me in the face as I was having this conversation with Xavier. It may have been during the time where we were talking about Eternals and Shang-Chi and Spider-Man No Way Home at length, but it did hit me. I, I had an epiphany. The MCU is simply too big to fail. And because they're too big to fail, that in turn makes the genre, the superhero genre, too big to ignore. I came to that epiphany because of how lackadaisical this new phase of the MCU has been. In seeing Doctor Strange and seeing how it does not connect to anything besides WandaVision that's been previously released in this phase, seeing how the ad campaign for this film eclipses almost anything that came before it in the past 12 months, given how the advertisements for the next film immediately followed the release of Doctor Strange. The, the advertisements for Thor came forthwith right after the release. And most importantly, given how lackadaisical advertisement campaigns are for quite literally any other genre of film other than superhero films that comes out currently at least, man, I just gotta ask, do these superhero movies even have to be good? Has our curiosity and how these things will turn out turn into automatic dollars for this genre? Are people force-feeding themselves to watch a superhero movie because of something like FOMO, the fear of missing out, like the, the fear of going online, the social media, four days after a release and getting hit with major spoilers even though you want to see it anyway? I mean, there are so many things that tie in to the financial success of something like a superhero movie now. I I just have this feeling 
that they can just be weaker on purpose and they don't have any consequences of being so. I say that as a guy who's an ardent supporter of superhero movies. I truly, personally, don't feel as if superhero movies are ruining cinema like all you fucking film snobs tend to tell me from time to time. In fact, I respect the idea that something like the MCU created what is a blueprint for the rest of this fucking genre to follow. Unfortunately, it is the lazy copy-and-paste culture that studios have built of trying to be the MCU that so much has been ruined by that way of thinking. I want to give one last shout-out to Xavier Upshaw. The longer this podcast goes, the longer I will feature him in certain things. You will be hearing from him again. He will be back very soon. Thank you for listening. And you've made it to the next episode.